welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So today we're talking about how we can explain SVD to family. I get asked this so often from parents, from adults, children with sensory processing disorder themselves and it's such a big topic. It may be the fact that someone's feeling a bit anxious about explaining something to someone that they love. So if they have sensory processing difficulties and they want to try and explain that they feel something in a particular way or that they become overwhelmed in certain sensations, how they can then support them. Um, but also from a parent's perspective, it can be difficult because sometimes explaining, knowing what words to use, knowing how to say it in a way that other people are going to understand can be quite difficult as well. And so I wanted to cover this topic on a podcast and um, I'm hopefully going to give you some pointers and some ideas as well as some feedback as to how some people are already um explaining their sensory processing difficulties to others. So some of the difficulties that people have said about explaining SPD to family can be that they just don't understand it. Um, might not understand what a trigger might be or what something sensory might be in regards to being a trigger. Um, Lots of people say that they find it difficult to explain to older generations why they process and feel things differently in an environment. Um, Other people have said that they find it difficult to describe and to explain how it feels to have sensory processing difficulties. Many people say that they feel like it's being addressed as a behaviour issue and as a parent why aren't you supporting that behaviour issue and I know that that can be very difficult because I've spoken and supported many parents who feel that way. Some people have said that they um, feel like they find it difficult because other people think that you're just making excuses for your child. So there's so many things that can be really difficult for people who are trying to explain to their family exactly what a sensory processing disorder is. And if we know that someone finds it difficult to process sensory information, then we want our family, we want our friends to be able to understand it. So we may already have recognised that the way we might explain something professionally can be very different to how we then explain things to our friends and family. And so that comes down to the language that we use, but it also comes down to the relationship that we have with that person. 
So when we're thinking about explaining sensory processing difficulties to our family, it can sometimes feel a lot harder because we are so close to them. So because we're at home, because we're in a safe environment, because our family um, love us, it can be quite difficult for us to then find the right time, the right words, the right environment to bring up a subject which for you or for the person it's impacting may be quite a difficult topic to talk about. So commonly for people with sensory processing difficulties we may notice different coping strategies as well. So bringing up the conversation of sensory processing difficulties and how your child regulates so supports themselves in different environments may change and so that can be quite difficult when we're trying to help someone to understand that the reason why someone may do something in one environment, so say when they're at home, could be for the same reason that they recognise a different characteristic in a different environment. So for example, at home, we might notice that while someone is watching TV, they are also rolling around on the floor or pushing against a squidgy gym ball or pushing against the wall doing little press-ups or just pushing down into their chair with their hands. Whereas at school we might notice that they are able to sit on their chair while they're working and maybe they're tapping their foot or maybe they're um, clapping their hands or banging the table. And all of these strategies can all be for our proprioceptive awareness. And so it can be difficult when we're explaining sensory characteristics. So these are the things that we observe someone doing to help to regulate themselves. And I explained previously that I refer to them as characteristics rather than behaviours because we often negatively associate the word behaviour. Whereas a sensory characteristic is something that someone's doing because their body requires that input. And so if someone's needing, looking or requiring more proprioceptive awareness in order to do an activity, at home they may be up and about and moving whereas in school they may be sitting there and pushing and banging things or tapping their feet or putting the chair on their feet these are both ways that we can get body awareness so that proprioceptive input but we recognize those characteristics differently so it's really important that before we try and explain things to family that we have a really good understanding ourselves of your child's sensory processing difficulties specifically. So what sensory systems does it impact? Does that change? Does it obviously fluctuate through their characteristics? So through the things that they're doing in their day-to-day -day lives? Um, and what is it about that? So is it that they have difficulties with recognising how much force and pressure they use? So um, discriminating between a sensory input or is it 
that they seek out extrasensory input or they avoid particular sensory input. So once we have a really good understanding of the characteristics and the purpose for your own child or for yourself, that's then our first stepping stone to then feel more confident in being able to explain it to other family members as well. So when we're explaining some of these differences that we might notice in ourselves or in our child, those are the things that we want to try and communicate because maybe you feel um, a bit anxious or a bit uneasy that maybe someone's identified that you fidget with things or that you chew on things or that you twist things or that you feel overwhelmed in noisy busy environments and so if you recognize that then that's usually a good starting point so finding a way of being able to bring up why someone is doing something particular so We also have to consider for the person that we're communicating it to, so our friends or our family, what it might be that they need to understand. So is it the fact that the things that you're doing or your child's doing is changing from day to day, like I was just mentioning, that proprioceptive input looks different at home to how it looks at work or school? Is it that someone's recognised that and you feel like you want to try and explain the purpose behind it, which is an incredibly important stepping stone to be able to do? You also need to consider, will they get it? So will they understand? Do they want to really try and find ways to be able to understand and support you or your child if so then try and give as many examples and um, situations as possible that relate to why you may see these certain characteristics if you're trying to explain it to a friend or family because maybe they're recognizing the things that your child's doing as negative, then the way that we need to explain it to them may be slightly different to how we're explaining it to other friends and family who genuinely want to help and to understand their cousin, their niece, their nephew, their grandchild, whoever it might be. So there's four words that I want us to try and remember when we're approaching explaining sensory processing difficulties to our friends and family and I thought these four words will really help us to focus down what we're actually going to talk about or what we're going to say. Now before we do any of this, before we start, I mentioned earlier a really important thing to do is to be really confident and aware of our child or our own specific sensory processing needs and try and identify what are their overriding sensory needs. Do they seek? Do they avoid? Do they have difficulties with discrimination to identifying where a sensations come from or its intensity? And which sensory systems is that for? 
Once we can summarise that, like I said, we're going to feel a lot more confident. So you can begin working that out by having a journal, having a book, jotting down, observing the characteristics you recognise in your child or yourself and the situation as to why they may be doing that. So write down also, are they upset? Are they frustrated? Are they bored? Or is it that they're genuinely uh, using that characteristic to regulate because we're all sensory beings and so we may find that some of the times we're observing these sensory characteristics and it may be because that person feels so comfortable doing it. So you may find yourself chewing on the end of your pen when you're in training or when you're at work in a meeting and that's not necessarily a sensory characteristic for you. I wouldn't say that you have a sensory processing difficulty because you're chewing on your pen. However, the similarity there is the fact that you might be chewing on your pen to help you to concentrate. And that's exactly what we're understanding when we recognise these characteristics for people with sensory processing disorder. They're doing these things in order to help themselves regulate. And when we're regulated, they're feeling great. They're feeling they're able to focus on what's happening around them. They're able to attend, so learn and engage in the activity or environment that they're in. So the chewing on the pen may be something that you're doing to pass time, but also with whether you realise it or not, you may be chewing on that pen also to try and keep your concentration and focus on the task that you're talking about or doing. Some tips that people have shared about how they describe and explain their sensory processing difficulties to others, so members of their family are... Um, someone describes it as a neurological traffic jam inside my head. Now that's a very visual way of being able to describe exactly what's happening when, when the brain's receiving the sensory messages. And so that could be really helpful. Um, she then goes on to say, I explain that my brain doesn't receive information needed to interpret sensory information correctly. So I have a disorganised mess of sensory signals in my head, which I cannot filter or process properly. That's from Emily from 21 and Sensory. If you don't know who she is, then follow her on Instagram. She's incredible at being able to talk and explain specific sensory needs, but also visualises. She's an illustrator who creates these images for ways we can support people or ways things that might feel. Emily also says that when she's explaining, she also tries to give examples. So um, she might stop someone before they go to do something. So if they're about to touch her, so tap her on the arm or on her hand to get her attention. Um, she just explains to them that for her, that's really overwhelming and may um, be an unwanted surprise for her. And then it causes quite a lot for her to then be able to regulate back down to feeling okay. Um, other people have mentioned that they will ask an OT to talk directly to family members. Now that's great if you've got an OT, but I know many people find it difficult to have an OT, but also 
sometimes an OT might find it difficult to explain your specific child needs if they don't know your child that well. Um, and just some other things that people do is think about what are their characteristics what are the things that they're doing their calming tactics that work for them and just make sure that the people around them understand and know what that is and why they're doing it and that can be a really supportive thing just to help someone feel okay in their environment and then one of my favorite responses that I've had about ways that they um support that sensory need is we implement a green zone tent with within our home made of a sensory box and this helps our son to regulate his feelings i think that's incredible just having a space where we know someone can go to where they feel relaxed where they feel comfortable and they can just take some time out for themselves bedrooms are great or like this a pop-up tent i bit of fabric, an old bed sheet hanging over the corner of a room, something where they can go to just to be able to regulate themselves. Okay, so the four words that I want us to consider when we're thinking about explaining sensory processing disorder to our friends and family um, are presence, so where we are, not gifts. Um, so presence, explain, educate and relevance. So you can remember these by the word peer, P-W-E-R, peer. So presence, I want us to always think about where is the person that you're talking about. So if you're a parent and you're talking about your child, always make sure that they're aware that you're having this conversation. Um, you'd be surprised how much it will impact someone if you have a conversation about them without their consent, without their um, preparation, without their awareness of it, um, regardless of whether someone uses words to communicate or not much of the time their level of understanding will be aware of the fact that they are being talked about and so especially when we're talking amongst friends and family include them make them part of the conversation and um, it will really impact their confidence if we talk about them without their permission but also if we talk about them with friends and families because they're more likely to then be able to represent or present or make that friend or family member aware of themselves so aware of the person that they're talking about so the first word is presence so where are you but where is the person that you're talking about if you're a parent or carer um, and if it's yourself so if you're talking to friends and family Think about yourself. So how are you feeling on that day? Is there anything else that may well impact the ability to have that conversation? So make sure you have plenty of time. Make sure you're in a comfortable environment. Make sure the other people aren't on any time constraints. And prepare yourself. So be ready for how you might feel before and after. To have something that's comforting. So presence is the first word. 
Uh, the next one is explain. So a few things can relate to this. So helping to explain to the family member that we all rely on our senses. We are all sensory beings and so from the moment we were born we were learning about the world around us through our senses. So it's something that we can all relate to. We just need to give everybody the time in order to help to understand that. Also explain that we are able to organise and understand the sensory messages that we're receiving. However, for your child or for the person that you care for, they may easily feel overwhelmed because their brain's finding it difficult to organise the sensory information it's receiving. So trying to understand what sensory input it is, what it should acknowledge and what it should ignore. You and I go through our daily lives and we're able to filter out the unnecessary sensory information. However, for people with sensory processing disorder, that's the most difficult part, is the part of being able to identify what exactly it is which is having the difficulty in being organised. So help to explain that... We all rely on our senses, but also help to explain that the main thing for people with sensory processing difficulties is there's a difficulty then to understand those sensory messages, which then means we can explain why we might be seeing some of these sensory characteristics. So things like, why does your child always shout? Why are they always jumping or moving or fidgeting? We can now help to explain the sensory characteristics better because we've got more that we can relate back to it. So following on from explaining that someone may have difficulties organising the sensory messages, we can then relate that then to helping them to understand why your child may always speak in a really loud volume. And you can explain because for them, Speaking loudly is the most effective way to help them regulate out all the other sounds that they're hearing around them because it seems like all of those tiny little sounds that we might not even pick up or recognise are really, really loud. And you can give them examples, you can give them an example of going into a party and everyone's speaking really loudly and the music's really loud, but you can hear the humming of the lights, you can hear people chewing and eating their food, you hear the footsteps of people moving and dancing, you may well hear cars driving past outside, animals, all of those things, and ask them, what would they do to then have a conversation with me? And their answer is likely to be, they would speak louder. So think of a way that you can then help to explain that sensory characteristic in an understandable way. So that the next time the family member recognises that your child is speaking loudly, they're then able to understand a little bit better or you can remind them and prompt them of why that is. Okay, so that's the second one, explain. The third one is educate. 
So it's not just about saying, this is why my child does that. This is why I do that. It's about also educating, because if we can educate people about these differences, they're going to have a better understanding, but also they're going to empathise more with more people, not just your child. And so generally then society is going to be in a much better place. So educating and this can also help with the fact that you're then not justifying and I think a difficulty with explaining things to family sometimes feels like you have to justify why your child is doing the things that they're doing however that's not the case so educate explain why why they're doing it if they always give a really big bear hug talk them through it explain why so by saying oh you like a big squeeze. Is that because it helps your body feel connected? So when your child comes up to you explaining when they're doing that characteristic, but verbalising it so that then your friends and family are hearing it and it's not you directly saying it to them. So like I said, the big bear hug, talking it through. Oh, you like a big squeeze. Is that because it helps you feel your body? Uh, You could explain a particular body part, feeling maybe numb to the other person. So, for example, when someone gives a big bear hug, that's usually because they're they're looking for more proprioceptive awareness to help reassure them, comfort them, help them to feel where they are. And so you can give that example of, you know, when you go for a massage and how your body feels after a massage and relaxed and aware that it all pieces together. So that's number three, educating. And then the fourth word was relevance. So make sure we are talking about the things that are relevant for your child or yourself. Make sure that you feel comfortable being able to explain these things in a way which is relevant to that situation or environment. So you might be talking about a party and you might be explaining why you may or may not be going or some of the sensory adaptations that can be made. So talk things through that your child or you may avoid or you can't manage sensory wise. So loud noises, unpredictability, busy environments, visual changes. And that's then going to help that person, so your friend or family member, really then put into context why you may require the certain amount of reassurance or support within that context. So the four words were presence. So think about the person, where they are, where you are. Explain. So explain the concepts that we all are sensory beings, that we all process these sensory information messages. However, for some people with SPD, it's the organising of those messages which can be overwhelming and then explaining the sensory characteristic and the purpose behind it so why your child may speak loudly third one is educating so not justifying we're educating so when your child gives you that big bear hug commenting talking about it and then explaining that to the person that you're with and then the last one is relevant so make it relevant to the situation or the activity or the environment that you're talking about. 
So hopefully those four things will really help you to think about how you can approach talking to friends and family about sensory processing difficulties, whether it's for your child or whether it's for yourself. Like always, feel free to get in touch if you have any questions, um, but otherwise, I'll see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.